Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 220 of the show. Uh, my name is Evan. I am solo dolo right now. Um, it is the busy season for Matt. Uh, so I decided to take it upon myself. Um, we, we were kind of scheduling for six, but I just have a strong suspicion that Matt is in the torture chamber at work. So um, I, I want to sort of <laughs> alleviate some stress on him um and go ahead and and get this up so he can you know take the night off not have to worry about recording the show uh i I thought that would be a nice thing to do probably should have texted him and told him that i was doing that uh but instead we're we're here we're just gonna you know go off the cuff i watched all the games this weekend i went ahead i rewatched highlights i have the breakdowns of goals i have the breakdowns of you know what i thought uh all about the games that happened on the weekend so Without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. I'd like to apologize on the front end if there's any sort of mic issue, uh, you know, on this week's show. I have been having a hell of a time getting my mic uh, to to kind of work the way that I needed to. I'm, I'm getting a new one for Christmas. I should probably just spend the money and get it myself, but uh, I I don't know. I don't want to part with the, the couple hundred bucks that. Uh, it normally is. This one that I have now uh, has done me well for, you know, a considerable amount of time, but uh, it's certainly time for me to move on up, especially with the weekly podcast. Got to make sure I have the right stuff. Okay, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Our first match from match day 14 was Brentford versus Luton Town. Um, this one ended, I believe, 3-1. Um, let's go ahead and pull up the scores on top of what I have uh, queued up for you, information-wise. Okay, yes, the final score, 3-1. Um, Brentford just, I mean, this was a clobbering. I think everybody expected it. Um, Brentford essentially unchanged from the last week. Uh, they dropped to the back four, which was a little bit of a change because they weren't rocking against Arsenal. They had five at the back for that, this time going against Luton. Uh, can afford to throw a couple more players forward. Uh, Tahith Chong got a start for Luton, which was nice to see. Uh, I made a couple of substitute appearances for them earlier on the season, and I thought he he honestly looked great. Uh, early on, it was sloppy, especially from Luton, which you would have expected. They struggled to keep their shape when Brentford started to ping balls in from the lines. Uh, a ton of deflections and, and a lot of poor touches uh, enabled Brentford to keep possession much higher up the pitch. And Buemo and Visa had a few great chances early when the defenders struggled to keep up. Uh, those guys are both obviously very quick, so it's not easy uh, for a team like Luton to stay on their touch. It's very hard. Um, but despite a horrendous first half, they remain nil-nil. Uh, in the 48th minute, Brentford opened the scoring through Neil Mopai, who tidied up another bouncing deflected ball right in front of the loot goal. Uh, a couple minutes later in the 55th, Ben Mee scored a deflected header. Uh, another deflection. <laughs> this one's pretty much an own goal, uh, but I'm sure Mr. Mee claimed this one to all of his mates. 2-0. Uh, the 75th, Russ Barkley delivered a tasty through ball uh, to Brown, who cut inside of the defender and finished past Flecken. Excellent goal here. And this is much higher quality of buildup uh, than we typically see from Luton. That made the game 2-1, but in the 81st, Lewis Potter and Baptiste took turns firing from close range in the Luton 18-yard box. 
Reflection Central, again, it was like that the whole game. Eventually, a deft bit of skill from both players. Freedom both up. Uh, Lewis Potter fires. Baptiste finishes the rebound ferociously right into the top of the goal. 3-1, final score. Never a doubt for the Bees. Um, they're in decent form. I mean, they had a, a bit of a stumble, but I think right now Brentford will be quite happy with where they are in the table. Currently uh, in 11th level on points with Chelsea. Uh, Brentford currently with five wins, four draws, and five losses. So they are pretty much right at 500, taking enough points to, you know, keep them in a, a decent spot in the table. We're not going to see them challenge, I don't think, for top six or anything like that. Those clubs have essentially cemented themselves already. On to the next, Arsenal versus Wolverhampton. Arsenal remained top of the league after a 2-1 victory over Wolverhampton on the weekend. Uh, Arsenal began the game with some absolutely silky link-up play in Wolves' defensive third. In the fifth minute, Saka held the ball up on the edge of the area, slid it to Gabi Jesus, who fed it to Tamiyasu for a pass right back to Saka. Saka dropped his shoulder, got through two more defenders, and finished past a frozen keeper. Uh, this was an arousing goal, to be honest with you, and we didn't have to wait much longer for another one. In the 12th minute, we saw more brilliant football as Saka fired across to the back edge of the 18, where it found a waiting Zinchenko. He found Jesus on a 1-2, then squared it to the center of the area, where a lurking Martin Odegaard converted into the right edge of the goal. This was pristine football. Um, reminds me of the, like, I guess that was late 2000s, uh, 2010, 11, honestly, maybe even a bit later. With Wilshire, when we had Giroud and Ozil, uh, some of that link-up play that we used to see was unbelievable. These players are even more talented than those players were, so it makes it all that much more, you know, satisfying and interesting to watch. In the 19th, Trossard came close, but Neto uh, made a great... Actually, that's not Neto. Um, I forget. It's Jose Sa. Uh, made a great stop at close range. In the 36th, Saka and Martinelli uh, linked up with a wonder ball being played to Martinelli. He dropped his defender, but he just nicked the right post. The first half was full of Arsenal chances. Wolves struggled really badly to hold possession and couldn't defend the sheer force that Arsenal were putting forward on the counters. Wolves were lucky not to be down 4-0 uh, at this point in the game. Second half gameplay wasn't much better, uh, much different for Wolves. Arsenal dominated for sure. In the 82nd minute, Wolves countered and linked together one of their first good moments, but Raya was able to hold it. In the 85th, Cunha wound up with the ball after Zinchenko made a poor touch, and he absolutely belted it into the top left. This was a great finish. Got to give Cunha credit there. Uh, despite a poor performance from Wolves on the day, this was a shining finish. Great, great moment for them. Uh, in the 87th, Nketiah uh, missed a sitter, but in the end, Wolves found a bit of passion. Arsenal escaped with all three points. Honestly, was sweaty there at the end, um, but Arsenal were, were the much better team on the day. Um, two points clear. We'll take that. No doubt about it. On to the next one, which was a bit of a shock. Burnley versus Sheffield United. Uh, what a fucking belter this was. Burnley 5, Sheffield United nil. This is the shock of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Burnley erupted for a five-goal smacker of a game against Sheffield. All that talk about Burnley that we did last week just for them to show us they can actually score goals. 
18 seconds in, Burnley charged forward. The ball wound up with Charlie Taylor, who crossed it into a diving Jay Rodriguez, who finished expertly with his head. What a star for the ailing Burnley. In the 28th minute, a long through ball over the top found Brune Larson on his first Premier League start, streaking towards the Sheffield net. What a ball and what a composed finish. 2-0. In the 45th, uh, Ollie McBurney got a second yellow card on a 50-50 header. Ridiculous decision for McBurney to get involved in another scuffle. He jumped for a 50-50 earlier on through his elbow. Same situation here against the same player. Uh, fair second yellow, fair sending off, no doubt about it. Uh, in the 72nd, Amdouni bursted through the back line and finished calmly. That was 3-0. In the 74th, just two minutes later, Kaliasho beat the keeper near post with an excellent... Excellent pass finish, 4-0. Effective pressing here from Burnley, playing out uh, and paying out big time. Then in the 79th, Brownhill finished an absolute screamer to cap the game off. Sheffield never had a chance uh, with a lack of passion. They just played in the opening spell of the game. Great win by Burnley at a time of desperate. On to the next, Nottingham versus Everett, uh, Everton. Steve Cooper's mob fell 1-0 at home to the traveling Toffees, who were in desperate need of any sort of pointage whatsoever uh, whatsoever after their 10-point deduction. Forrest started well with a couple of chances, uh, and then Everton had a couple of their own. In the 21st, Beto missed an open net, just blew it right over the bar. Elanga missed the sitter later on in the 30th. McNeil had a shot saved by Murillo on the goal line. Uh, the first half came to an end, nil-nil. Uh, honestly felt like there was probably a couple of goals in that, at least. I'm, I'm shocked that it came to nil-nil. That goal line clearance from Murillo was unbelievable. Uh, he actually he got a little bit banged up. He kind of It wasn't a, quite a knock, but he, um, he was limping, limping after where he caught that on his leg, so kind of right on the ankle. I don't know if any of you have been hit on a cold-ass night with a ball on your ankle, it does not feel good. Uh, in the 66th minute, um, Dwight McNeil speared in an unreal volley, top bins, piercing finish all the way. No one was stopping that. Jack Harrison played a great ball into the back post, given the assist. Uh, excellent service from Jack Harrison. Really nicely worked goal uh, and a great finish from Dwight McNeil, who I cannot believe it, but has kind of been their talisman so far this season. Uh, in the 82nd, Elanga had a chance late uh, after a lovely counter, but Pickford came out to quell the danger. He had a fantastic game. The game, honestly, was very entertaining. I know it was only 1-0, but there was a ton of chances, a couple of VAR controversies. Um, Elanga, I believe, was brought down at some point, uh, but VAR decided that Nottingham Forest would not be awarded a penalty. Uh, Got to be Pickford man of the match for me in a, in a huge time of need. Good on Dice and the lads that needed this one big time. On to a talking point game of the week. Uh, Newcastle versus Manchester United. Newcastle winning 1-0 at St. James Park. This is an unchanged and decimated Newcastle side uh, that just played midweek against PSG. They showed up, got the job done, three points. Newcastle immediately put their foots on the gas pedal. The United back line couldn't cope with the forward players. Uh, in the 10th minute, United actually were the team to have the first good chance with Garnacho, but he fired it right into Pope's legs. He was able to clear that. Uh, and then things started to turn. Isak found himself free in the 19th minute. He fired wide. 
Uh, first half ended with no blood, but Newcastle were the much better side, effectively pressing, getting to the 50-50 balls. Uh, there was a ton of pressure in that United final third, and uh, their their defense got very lucky not to concede uh, so early. But after halftime in the 54th, Trippier squared the ball across the goal mouth to a waiting Anthony Gordon, who finished calmly past Onana uh, in the 81st. We, this is a big problem for them. Pope dove to save uh, a ball, which was actually cleared anyway by Lascelles, and dislocated his shoulder, which he's already done before. As somebody that has dislocated their shoulder, I can tell you, you are never back to full strength after you dislocate it once. Scar tissue is unbelievable. This will be the second time that he's had it happen uh, on his right shoulder, I believe. This is extremely uh, unfortunate, and actually... Uh, the word of the day is that Newcastle have already approached David De Gea um, to come in and, and sort of cover Nick Pope. They've got Dubrovka there, uh, who's a good keeper himself, but De Gea, obviously, as long as he's been continuing his training, uh, is going to be a better option than Martin Dubrovka, no doubt about that. So that's something to keep your eye on. That would be very interesting. Um, Dubrovka, clean sheet, came in at the end, saved it. But truly, United never got anything going. Rashford and Martial were both invisible, and neither tracked back to help mark the Newcastle midfielders and wingers who were absolutely feasting on a back line who actually did try their best. Uh, Rashford, Rashford, we have to have a conversation about Rashford. I mean, I, I'd really like to talk to a United fan about it because the level of passion that he is displaying is just not up to snuff with what is required of a you know talisman player for Manchester United. This is not it. He has had seasons in the past where he's gone missing and then come back the following season or you know in a different competition, play really well. We have not seen the best of Marcus Rashford this year. It has been dire, um, just very poor. His work rate is is much lower than it normally is. He doesn't seem to do anything with the ball when he does get it. And even those touches are diminished. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd really like to have a conversation with Boz or even with Zach. Uh, they're both United fans. I'd, I'd like to know what they think about it. But it's very, very bad. He is on extreme wages. And although I really like him as a person and honestly as a player as well, this level of performance cannot be tolerated, uh, especially at Manchester United right now with all of the other issues that they're dealing with. Um, really, really tough to watch. Uh, okay, next one, Chelsea versus Brighton. Matt's boys, uh, the Sunday slate we're moving into. This one saw Chelsea take on Brighton. In the 16th minute, Benoit Batiushil provided an overhead assist to Enzo Fernandez, who scored with his head to open the scoring. This was a saucy assist, and no one's talking about how special it was. Uh, Benoit, I will give you your credit. That was nasty. I don't know if it was an accident or if he actually knew that he could touch that, tap it over his own head to Enzo, but it looked fantastic either way. In the 20th minute, Levi Colwell added another through a header, Nico Jackson providing a head-to-head -head assist off the corner. Uh, a lot of header assists in this one. Um, in the 38th, or actually not header assist, but airborne assists. In the 38th, Mudrik had a go through the middle, but fired his shot just wide, displaying some of that lightning pace. He's been really solid for Chelsea this season, much to my own dismay. Uh, in the 42nd, Buonanotte stole one back before the half. Chelsea failed to pressure in the midfield, 
lack of press. It got to Facundo Buonanotte, and he finished nicely in the 43th. Uh, 43rd. How about that one? 43rd. Nico Jackson almost converted a Mudra cross, but Steele made a wonderful save to keep it out. Two minutes later, in the 45th, Gallagher got a second yellow and was sent off, uh, ruining my fantasy week. Thank you for that. No red card. I don't lose the week, but decided needed to get that minus five and a half for me anyway. So cheers on that one. Uh, in the 60th, Mudrick was dragged down by Milner. Penn awarded Enzo. I thought that was a soft pen, to be fair. Uh, Milner had his foot planted. Didn't seem like he was really trying to bring Mudrick down, but Mudrick is so thin and wiry, uh, and he moves at such a rapid pace that it's very hard not to go down. I don't think it was a flop, but I also think it was a soft pen. So, you know, if you're a Brighton fan, maybe you feel a bit hard done by there, but, you know, it did go to VAR. They did award it. It is what it is. In the 87th, Matoma appealed for a penalty, but nothing was given. And then in the 91st, Jao Pedro scored off a corner with his head. Excellent finish. Sanchez never had a chance to do anything. Just just jumped up slightly, kind of tapped it with like the, the front side of his head, redirection, a little bit of spin right into the top right. That was a fantastic finish. In the 99th, Drama appeals for a handball in the box by Brighton, but... It's just gone directly to the defender's head. It wasn't that big of a deal. Paulson actually awarded a penalty, but then there was a ton of confusion. It wound up as nothing. Chelsea went in the rain with 10 men. Well done. Hard-fought victory. You know, this is a huge one. Chelsea now in, I believe, 10th on 19 points. So they're only a couple of points behind Brighton, who are in 8th. Uh, a win for Chelsea and a loss for Brighton. Another one, not, not including this game. Uh, would bring them all the way up to the edge uh, and, and into a European spot. So uh, keep your eye out on Chelsea. They're they're looking much better. They're going to get Reese James back now. Uh, Got to hope for no more injuries. Kind of established the back line. They played with four center backs in this one, and it actually was all right. But um, yeah, this was an entertaining watch, no doubt. Up next, we have Liverpool versus Fulham. This was as hellish of a game as you can imagine at Anfield. In the seventh minute, Liverpool had the ball in the back of the net, but it was waved off because of Luis Diaz being offside. In the play, Leno got his head absolutely smashed. Uh, his right eye looked mangled. He actually finished the game out with a big wrap on his head, and you could see the the, like the bleeding, bruised, uh, bloody right eye. I don't know how he, he stayed in it, but he did. Uh, in the 17th minute, Soboslai was brought down, and Trent takes the free. Bar down Golasso, followed by a shh. This was as cold as it gets. What a free kick. Uh, since he switched to the Predator boots, he has been in unreal form. Uh, he now has three goals in his last two games in the league, and we'll talk about the other goal as well. But uh, yeah, so 1-0 to Liverpool. In the 23rd, Robinson provided a great cross to Harry Wilson, who finished expertly with a tiny flick past Kelleher. Uh, it was unsavable at that speed, to be fair. Probably could have been better on positioning, but that was a very, very tough one to save. In the 38th, Alexis McAllister scored a screamer and contender for banger long shot of the year. He picked the ball up off a rebound around 24, 25 yards out uh, and absolutely belted it top bins, top right. Liverpool were feeling the power in their boots on this day, no doubt about that. In the 47th, 
Tete scored after a scramble in the box following a corner. It was ruled offside. Uh, ruled offside until the ref realizes he made a shit call, of course. And then the goal was given. Uh, so 2-2. Two -two. Uh, in the 51st, Reem scored a tap-in offside. In the 52nd, Sala and Nunez broke at lightning speed. Sala played to Nunez, and then Nunez ripped the hardest shot at the crossbar I have ever seen. Bounced out of danger. Um, but holy fuck, he rattled the crossbar. And it was at this point in the game that I realized what Darwin was doing with his hair. It's awful, man. He's He's got to get rid of it. Uh, it's criminal. He needs to shave it. He was wearing, like, pigtail braids, the French braids in the back. Uh, highly female. I mean, do what you want, man, but it's, it's, not, it's not a good cut. Go back to the, the top knot or, or the bun, even if you have to. This is this is not the way, man. The, the the double like French braid in the back is it's suspect to say the least. Um okay, in the sixtieth, Nunez missed another sitter, because of course he did shave the head, maybe the sitters you could score. Uh in the 79th, D Cordova Reed finished a header played in by Tom Kearney. Uh Kelleher was not in a great spot. Having a bit of a shocker, to be fair. Uh, maybe should have conceded two, not three. Uh, unfortunately for Fulham, it didn't matter. In the 86th, Wataru Endo scored a banger from the edge of the area on an assist from Salah. They just pounded the top right of the net. Uh, that was an unreal finish as well. Kind of, it wasn't quite as good as McAllister's or Trent's, but, you know, very, very good goal. Uh, and then in the 87th, Trent, of course, who else? Won it with a divine volley finish from the edge of the area. As a Liverpool hater, still have to appreciate how good that finish is and how good Trent is in the forward areas. We know he is sh a complete shambles on defense, but when he gets further up the pitch, when he's given a chance to play in defensive midfield or even higher up the pitch on on you know situations where he they need him, uh, he very rarely doesn't come through. So you got to give him credit. That was uh that was a fantastic finish. Great game from Trent. Uh, Liverpool still leaking goals, but it doesn't matter. If you can outscore the opponent, then probably not going to matter unless the end of the year comes down to goal differential. And maybe it could this year. Who knows? It seems tight, but uh, yeah, I mean, you got to take your three points there and absolutely give that game ball to Trent. What a performance from the young man. Uh, okay, on to the next, West Ham versus Crystal Palace. Uh, this one ending 1-1. One, one. Uh, and the, I lost some money here because I had over two and a half goals. Just would not happen. Uh, in the 12th minute, Kufal found a streaking into the box. Mohamed Kudus, who finished expertly past Johnstone. Uh, we have to say, Mo Kudus has been a bit of a revelation for West Ham. Not a ton of goals, but a lot of important goals. Uh, this is one of those. Getting a point here is big. Uh, the teams exchanged shoddy chances for the remainder of the first half, but there were no other first-half goals. Uh, in the 46th, Kudus immediately scored a lovely goal from outside of the box, but Suchek had a go at the ball from an offside position. Didn't make contact with it, but because of his involvement in the play and the potential screening of the goalkeeper, the goal was taken off the board. That's a bit unfortunate, but even back in the day, they would have taken that off before VAR. So, hate to see that. 
Uh, in the 52nd, a couple minutes later, Edward finished after Mavropanos was caught sticking around. He played a shit back pass, um, and Edward picked it up. This wasn't a super clean strike, but a goal nonetheless in the 1v1 situation. So, well done. Uh, the game kind of went out with a whimper, unfortunately, uh, and the two teams were forced to share the point. Bit of an ugly one there. Uh, Bournemouth versus Aston Villa. This one was sweaty, which is a bit of a shock considering the vast difference in quality uh, with these two sides. This one ended 2-2. Villa came in uh, having won seven of their last eight, but Bournemouth were actually the team to start brightly. In the ninth minute, Christie found Semenyo against the run of play, and he finished easily past Emmy Martinez, who never had a chance. But in the 19th, the ball was played to Leon Bailey on the wing, who sized up his defenders, cut in twice, then fired an effort into the back of the net with his very, very strong left foot. Uh, seemed like a lack of effort here from the defenders to limit the position that he got in. Uh, have to know, you know, before the game, you're coming up against a, a winger that has an extremely strong left foot. Let's do our best to keep him off of his left foot. Uh, that wasn't the case here, and he was able to uh, nick a goal because of it. In the 21st, Diego Carlo scored another goal within 90 seconds on some def fucking defensive disaster class from Bournemouth, but it got ruled offside. Uh, in the 51st, Milos Kerkez squared the ball to Solanke in the center, who made an excellent turn and finished perfectly past Emi Martinez right to the other side. Emi was moving to the left, and he finished to the right. Um, something we would have never expected from Bournemouth in the first 10 weeks. This goal was sensational. And then in the 89th, who else but Ollie Watkins sending the uh, ground into just absolute limbs. Uh, he got his head on an unreal curving cross from Musa Diaby, who actually didn't get the start in this one. He scored right past Neto. This was the goal of the weekend. I highly recommend Going ahead and watching that goal, the ball, the service from Musa Diaby was sensational. It was one of those curling in, swinging, just gorgeous right on the head crosses, and Ali was there to, to finish it off. Um, that is not our last game, however. Our last game was Manchester City 3, Tottenham 3. This was one of the craziest games that I have watched this year. Sonny with a goal in the sixth against the run of play, and then an own goal three minutes later in the ninth. Bowden with a goal in the 31st. LaCelso with one in the 69th. Grealish with one in the 81st to give City the lead. And then a ginger from Sweden, Dejan Kulisevsky, Kulisevsky rather. With a goal in the 90th. What a day. I mean, this was unreal to watch. You thought multiple times there is no way Tottenham are going to be able to stay in this game. After that own goal, it seemed like all of the air was sucked out. Foden scored right after. It was 2-1. I was considering, ah, fuck it. I, I might as well just turn this off. I, you know, I, I don't need to see City just batter them at this point with the high line and the destiny and dogie and whatever else is going on. But... Spurs found a way, and Ange plays and tells his players to play the way he wants them to play, and they listen, and they got rewarded for it. And this level of passion that he has brought to Tottenham is—I've never seen this before. I have watched 
many good Spurs sides with good managers, mostly Poch, but this is different. These guys play so fucking hard now, and this is a shit lineup that they put out. They've got Brian Hill, Brennan Johnson, Lo Celso, and Basuma. Lo Celso has been on the outs here for what feels like five years. He's played all over. He's been in Sevilla for as long as I can remember. He's back now. He scored a couple of, of really nice goals for them, we should say. Um, kind of their replacement to uh, Mr. Lamella for, for the streets that remember Eric Lamella, the Rabona master. I'll never forget that fucker and the goal he scored in that North London derby. But um, yeah, Ben Davies at the back, Emerson playing center back, Udoge out there, and Basuma, who's been having a stinker almost every game at this point after the way he started. Um when you compare it to the quality of City on paper, it doesn't make any sense that this would end 3-3. But it did. Uh, Holland missed a couple of sitters. He, We're getting very dangerously close to having to start a dialogue on what he does in big games because he's a bit of a vanisher. Uh, he vanished against Arsenal this season uh, in our you know 1-0 win. He vanished last week. Uh, against Liverpool he scored the goal but he, he didn't really have that much of an effect on the game I thought he missed a sitter here uh Doku another player who I've been singing the praises of for the past five weeks it feels like at this point vanishing act subbed off got a knock um and they kind of had to rely on, on guys like Bowden guys like Grealish players that I've actually been uh kind of slandering so maybe I don't know ball but what I do know is that I predicted that Tottenham would stay in this game, and they did. So we have to give them credit. Uh, Kulisevsky, with just a nails finish in the 90th minute, have to give him credit. Has not been as good as he was when he first came in alone from Juve. Uh, but this goal is worth its weight in gold. I mean, it, you can see how much it meant. Um, game was at the Etihad. Traveling Spurs fans, I'm sure they were just absolutely jumping. And why wouldn't you? Um, Spurs deserve this. They absolutely deserve the point in this one. Holland screaming at the ref after the game because an advantage was blown when it probably shouldn't have been blown. Um, but ultimately, this comes down to the fact that City threw this game away. They've now got three draws in their last three games, which is unbelievable. Uh, I, I can't even remember, honestly, the last time City had a run in, in the early season where they had two losses and three draws within, you know, six or seven weeks. Uh, it's craziness. And I'm starting to think that this this whole, you know, 115 violations thing is weighing on them. Uh, I know we're talking about it like this is a loss, but to be entirely honest with you, when you look at Spurs right now, where they're at injury-wise, there is no reason that City, especially at home, shouldn't absolutely batter them. And they weren't able to do it. Tottenham are a tough team, physically extremely tough, mentally, I think, even tougher at this point with Ange. Um, and he's galvanized them. He's turned these guys into fighters. Uh, and I, for one, I know I'm supposed to hate them, but... I've seen this from a lot of, of other clubs. It is extremely hard to hate this Tottenham team. They are passionate and they play, well, especially when Madison and Vandeven are there, attractive football, attacking, buccaneering, um, just entertaining stuff. And this game was nothing short of entertaining. So 
uh, what a watch. If you guys didn't catch this one, uh, or if you did catch it, I mean, I would just go back and watch it again because that comeback is just sensational uh, television. What a week this was. Okay, uh, matches. We have games starting tomorrow. Uh, my mob play tomorrow, and then we've got a bunch of games on Wednesday and Thursday as well. First game, we have we have Wolves versus Burnley. Burnley coming off uh, that outrageous, uh, you know, stomping of Sheffield United. Um, Wolves coming off a loss. I will be taking uh, a draw in this one. I think Burnley brings some pressure uh, to this Wolves game. Wolves looked very shambolic at the back, so I think Burnley could probably nick a goal. I don't know about Wolves' goal-scoring form. It doesn't feel great right now, so I'll take a draw. I think Burnley get another solid result. In the Luton Town versus Arsenal game, uh, it doesn't really matter. Pretty sure the game's at Kenilworth Road. Uh, I don't think we have much of an issue going away and winning there. Uh, hopefully I'm not eating my words there, but... Uh, yeah, I'll take Arsenal there. Sheffield versus Liverpool on Wednesday. It's the first Wednesday game. One of, I believe, six. Uh, Liverpool at Bramall Lane going away to Sheffield. Take Liverpool there. Um, Fulham versus Nottingham Forest. That one's at Craven Cottage, so a home game for Fulham. They're looking a little bit better in terms of goal scoring. I'll take Fulham in that one. I think they can beat Forest. Uh, it's probably not going to be easy, but I think they edge them. Uh, Crystal Palace versus Bournemouth at Selhurst Park. Uh, this one is tough. I think I'm actually going to go with Bournemouth. I think Palace were a bit lucky to get that 1-1 against West Ham. I don't think that luck carries in. Bournemouth looked really good last week, uh, I thought, in that 2-2 against Aston Villa. So I'll take them. I think they get their three points this week. Uh, Brighton versus Brentford. This one is going to be super entertaining. I can see this being a 2-2-3-3 high-scoring draw. I'm going to stick with the draw. Uh, I'm hoping Yoan Vies can get on the scoreboard for me. I need him in fantasy. My team is in a dangerous slump. Uh, we'll take a draw there. Then the probable game of the week, Manchester United versus Chelsea. Two teams of past former glory. This used to be a just must watch television now it's more like you know arsenal or city or or city and liverpool this used to be the one that you'd make sure you had the tv set on for um with the form that manchester united are in i do not think all right let me let me walk that back not the form because they've actually won games that they shouldn't have won with the way they are playing i don't think in good conscience i can take united um, Chelsea should have Reese James back. He's got some extra rest because he got suspended. He's always injured, but he got suspended, so now he's got rest. That's good. Uh, I'll take Chelsea. I think they win this one. Uh, I kind of think it's a route, to be honest with you. I don't think United can keep up. Uh, but it is. It's a big game. There'll be a big atmosphere. Um, should be a really good watch. Three fifteen on Wednesday. Most people will be working. I will just be getting. Kind of ready to get out of work, so I should be able to catch the whole game. Uh, Aston Villa versus Man City, another one, 3-15 on Wednesday. Uh, that's going to be another tough game. This one might be the game of the week, to be fair. Uh, Villa in great form. City in kind of middling form compared to what their normal standard is. Uh, I'll take a draw there. I think City actually get a fourth consecutive draw. Man, that would make me aroused, to be honest. 
Um, then we have Everton versus Newcastle on Thursday at 2.30. Uh, I will be taking Newcastle in that one. Although they are debilitated by injuries, I don't see how Everton break down uh, even that kind of shoddy back line. I think Newcastle just have way more creativity going forward, and they should be able to uh, take a couple goal lead and I think sit on it. So we'll take the Magpies. And then the last game of the midweek, before games start back up on Saturday, we have Tottenham versus West Ham. Uh, this one's at 3.15 on Thursday. Tottenham are due for a win. I'm going to go with them. Uh, I don't think this is going to be an easy one. West Ham have looked good, and they've nicked a couple of really late stoppage time uh, goals. That run's got that that luck run has to kind of you know is allowed at some point. I'll take Tottenham. I think they get the three points they deserve here. Um, some people would probably argue that they should have deserved three points against City. To be honest, with how hard they played. Um, so yeah, I think they get their three points this week uh, against West Ham. All right. That is my side of the episode. Um, I don't know if Matt's going to create his own. If he wants to, he totally can. Uh, but like I said, I wanted to do it so he could kind of take the night off. I'm sure he had a really long day at work. Um, so yeah, his picks, maybe they'll just release like a five-minute episode with, with him and Zach's picks. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully it's not too bad without Matt. I, I try my best to uh to write out uh you know uh outline if you will uh, of what happened on the week so yeah again thank you guys for listening make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod you can find us on twitter and instagram we will be back friday most likely or thursday evening uh to recap these midweek games and then give you our predictions for the uh you know saturday sunday games all right Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon.